everybody. It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. Welcome. I am so glad that you're here. On this podcast, I encourage you to say yes to building a business and a life that you love. Before we get started with the interview today, I wanted to just apologize for the audio. My microphone broke, and so I may be sounding a little bit far away. I'm actually talking straight into the computer today, and so it's not the best audio. The other thing I need to apologize for is the actual interview audio of when I spoke. So I have cleaned it up a little bit and tried to take away any of the echoing. I'm chalking it up to God's way of telling me to just let Felisa talk. She has such a beautiful way about her, so grounded and wise, and she has such a beautiful story and such a strong faith. And so I know that you're going to love this interview. One of the things we've talked about a lot over the years is being an author, being a writer. Whether you write for a blog or you write social media posts or you're an actual published author or maybe you've written an ebook, there's lots of different ways to be a writer. And many of us have a dream of writing a book one day. And last week on the podcast, I interviewed Tracy Fagan who is the founder of Kingdom Publishing. And she has in turn introduced me to some of her writers that I'll be featuring here on the podcast. And the first one is Felisa Jack. And Felisa and I met just here on this call when we did this recording and just instantly connected. She has a strong faith and a beautiful story. She is a survivor of domestic violence. She wrote her book, about her story of surviving domestic violence. And her book is called Pursued, A Testimony of God's Relentless Love. And it's interesting. I've had a lot of different people on the podcast. I've had people come on and talk about addiction. I've had people come on and talk about porn addiction. I've had people come on and talk about sex trafficking. I've had people talk about many, many different things, but never about domestic violence. And she and I talked a little bit about why that is, that there's still so much shame surrounding this that oftentimes people don't talk about it. We know by sharing our story, we give hope to other people. And often our misery becomes our ministry. I'm not saying everyone needs to talk about everything all the time, but like Felisa, many of us are called to talk about things that are uncomfortable or maybe the thing that we don't want to talk about, but it's that thing that leads others to find hope and healing. And so I'm just so excited for Felisa to meet you guys, to introduce you all through this podcast. She's just a beautiful spirit. She was wearing one of her t-shirts that she created and it's, it go the money goes to her, uh, precious to him group. And so I'm going to be sharing all of those links at greatbigyes.com. And I just want you to go over and check it out. Once you hear from her, you're going to want to learn more. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Felisa Jack. Enjoy. It's so good to have you here. Having me. It's good to be here. So good to meet you at last. I'm excited for people to hear your story. Can you start by just talking about, I know you just wrote a book. How did that all come about? We can just start there with that part of the story. Well, I've wanted to write a book um, for a while. I had this whole idea, you know, jewels from heaven, just, 
you know, it was going to be kind of a devotional. I, so I had, I had this great plan in my mind. Um, and God was like, uh, no, there's, there's a whole segment that needs to hear the work that I did in your life through and after domestic violence. And so I was like, I don't, I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk about that. Um, honestly, my whole, my whole idea was that, um, that everybody has a story that I'm not the only woman to experience domestic violence. So what, what new do I have to say? And, and really what he spoke to me was that the way that I interacted with you, the way that I moved in and your situation is completely different. Just like I know the very numbers of the hairs on your head, I know how to move uniquely in your situation. And so your situation was very unique. And so I was like, okay. So I said, yes. Okay. Okay. God. Uh, sure. Sure. Mm, yeah. Right. And I think a lot of women think that they think, well, everyone already knows what I know, or this story has been told or books have already been written about this. Right. And the thing is, we have to trust that God's going to bring the people who need to hear it from us. You know, we're so close to it. We think everyone knows, but it's like gold to some people who haven't heard it before. And God will take care of bringing the people. We just need to be obedient and do the thing, write the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and resist the urge to put our hands in the pot. You know, oh. I, I think there's so many times where God's been like, smack, smack, get your hands out that pot, get your hands out of there. <laughs> Because when I, you know, when I started to, to write the book, um, having a, a, a marketing, you know, sales and marketing background, I was like, oh, okay, well, and so I was really more focused on, you know, like, you know, the suspense and, and the wow factor and, and, you know, being catchy and all of that. And so I started, um, I started my yes at, as in my own strength um, and in my own mind and in my own way. And so, as most of us know, who've tried to do things our own way, as opposed to how God told us how to do them, they're not very successful. And so I got through about a page and a half of the book and I was totally stuck. Had no idea where to go, anything like that. I didn't really even know what to say. It was a very, it was, you know, a years long story and I didn't want to write an autobiography. Um, and so, you know, at that point I was like, okay, well, see God, like I told you, I don't know how to write a book. Like, I don't, this is not my thing. And so he said to me, he said, well, when you get through trying to write a book and decide to tell your story, mm. then we'll be in business. And so I, I have to tell you, um, true to his word, the minute that I really took off my own perception of the story I wanted to portray to people, um, it, I, I started writing, it was early in the morning. By the time I looked up, I only looked up because it had gotten dark in my room. Oh, I've been writing wow. all day, nonstop. Cool. And I always say, I just held the pen. God, God wrote the words. Um, and I, I even actually had one publisher, uh, that I'd gone to say, well, you know, we, you know, we really like it and everything. It's, you know, but it's kind of short. Um, is there any way you can, you know, add to it? I thought about how the Bible says, don't take anything from the word, don't add anything to it. That's right. I said, absolutely not. I, I said, what God wanted me to say, no more, no less. Um, and she's like, okay, well, I'll take it to the board and we'll see what they say. And they loved it. 
Yeah. And they're like, absolutely. You know, it's very relatable. It's like sitting across the table, talking to her. We don't care about the length of it. The content is great. You know, um, unfortunately they want to charge a fortune. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it's really odd because as you know, I finally found one that it was reasonably priced. And so every time I got the money, something catastrophic would happen, you know, mm -hmm. car problems or whatever that took that money. You know, I had it. And one time I took my son to the dentist. They were like, oh, we want to take his braces off today. I was like, oh, cool. And they're like, well, you have to pay the total on pay balance today. I was like, what? You know, and so I was just like, God, what is going on? You mm -hmm. know, like I, I'm doing what you told me to do. I do. But many times we don't understand that. I mean, God is a God of community and he's a God of connectivity. Yeah. And so there was a connection that he was desiring to make. And it took a little bit of time, not a lot. I want to say about four or five months. And um, a dear friend of mine um, came to me. I was telling her, I said, every time I get the money, like it's just gone. Like, I don't know what to do. And she said, I think, I think I might be your holdup. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that? And she said, God has been calling me to start a publishing company, a Christian publishing company. And I've been dragging my feet. And <laughs> now so that I realize that my obedience, my yes is tied to yours. Like it, like, let me get busy. And so we debuted at the same time. Amen. And her first author and it was my first book. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, you guys can't see me, you who are listening, but I'm raising my hands up in praise. I'm like so excited when I hear stories about that because, you know, we want what we want when we want it. Um, but oftentimes God has us wait. And even though we don't know why at the time, we look back and we see, oh my goodness, he was just protecting me and providing for me. And he had bigger things and better things in store for me. And so trusting him in that is so awesome. But that is such a cool story. I love it. I love that you guys launched together. That's so fun. So awesome. <laughs> so, so good. Okay, so your book is called Pursued, A Testimony of God's Relentless Love. And it is your story of surviving domestic violence. And I wanted to just kind of get your take on things as far as why it's so rare that we talk about domestic violence. You and I talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but I had said, you know, I've had people talking about everything on the show and never anybody talking about this topic. And so I just wanted to get your take on that. Why do you think that is? There's such a stigma around it. Um, people don't want to talk about what's ugly. It's, it's very ugly. And, and it, and it touches the very core of what, one of the things that people really fear is, you know, being hurt by someone you love and that professes to love you. Nobody wants to think about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. I, I was kind of outraged when there was a series of commercials on for um, the ASPCA and they showed animals shivering in the cold and starving and all of that. And I thought, wow, like what is, what's going on in our society that, that you can pull on people's heartstrings like this but we don't want to show the woman with the black eye and the busted lip. Nobody wants to see that. You know, nobody wants to see that. And it's so sad and it's such a disservice. And that's part of the reason why nobody wants to say anything. For one, a lot of times the victim gets blamed and shamed. Well, what did you do? You know, you talk to people of a certain generation and, you know, we didn't leave our spouse, you know, our significant other just because, you know, sure, we had fights. Sure, we had... 
you know, but it's not normal. This is not normal, acceptable behavior. And then a lot of times people have a misconception that it's really about violence. And that, you know, if I stay away from somebody who gets angry a lot or has a bad temper and blah, 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 and don't get me wrong, it certainly has that component. But at its core, it's about power and control. So a lot of people, believe it or not, are in abusive relationships and don't even know it. It's like that control, that gaslighting, you know, those things that you think are just kind of his personality. He's a little quirky. He's a little moody. He's a little whatever. Well, no, he's abusive or she's abusive. And, and so when people can bring it down to that level and stop thinking of it as just being, you know, black eyes and busted lips, although certainly it is up until the point of death, which, I mean, this is a, a preventable crime if we talk about it that can save lives, like we have an opportunity to save lives. And so, um, so I think that's, that's part of, you know, that's a big reason um, that people don't want to hear about it. And then as survivors and victims, we're not encouraged to talk about it. I, I remember calling the police one time on my abuser. I mean, I had barely like run out of the house, down the walkway to neighbor's apartment, was beating on the door. They let me in, had to call the police. It was a traumatic situation. The police officer that's taking the report looks at me and says, you're too pretty to go through this. Oh, gosh. Number. Who needs to hear that at that time? What, what makes me want to trust the police in this case? You're trying to hit on me. Like, I, I'm, he could have been after me with a knife for all I know. I, I, you know, that's awful. And, so, and then I, I, I was telling, um, actually my ex-husband, <laughs> anyway, he came by to pick up our son and I was like, well, I'm, you know, finishing up on, on my book. And he's like, oh, well, what are you writing about? And I said, you know, my experience with domestic violence. And he said, why do you want to talk about that? I said that right there, that right there. Yeah. Yep, yeah. that right there, that's why. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, if your story will help people for sure, uh, and the enemy would love to keep us in shame and fear. And when we don't tell our story, we lose the opportunity to give people hope and to start their healing process. That's right. And really speaking from a place of experience, I'm one of those people that if you, if you haven't been through it, please don't talk to me about it. And, and not just domestic violence. I mean, anything like, I don't want to hear what you read in some textbook or whatever. You know, my kids always tease me because my favorite phrase is I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. Oh, so, I love it. That's good. <laughs> so they know I'm coming from a place of experience. This is not you know, somebody else's thoughts or whatever. And I think that that's very powerful when you're talking to someone who's in that situation or who has just come out of an abusive situation, that they know that those things that they can't even really articulate sometimes, it's very difficult to put into words those emotions um, and those feelings to know that someone that's sitting across from you um, or on the other line from you is like, I know exactly where you are right now. I know exactly how you're feeling. And, and there, there's a there's a comfort in that, in that alone, just knowing that you're not by yourself. Like, it's not me. You know, this person has been trying to make me think I was crazy. Like I always did everything wrong and blah, 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 you know, and, and to have 
somebody say, "Mm -mm, no, 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 baby girl. Like it's, it's, it's not you. It really is him this time. And, and I know, I I know exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're feeling. And, and these are some things that helped me through that, you know, and being able to kind of walk them through it. Um, It's very difficult because, you know, they say the average person goes back seven times before they leave. Seven times, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so one, one of the stories in my book, a part of my book is actually, I didn't go back, but um, sometime later, my abuser was in a situation where um, his place of residence was being fumigated or whatever, and he needed to stay somewhere for a week. Um, now, mind you, I'm like, I'm healed. I'm doing great. Like, you know, I'm riding high on the love of the Lord. I always say, God watches over babies and fools. I tell you. <laughs> I was like, sure, you know, you can. And yeah, I did not want to put that part in the book. I really, really didn't. But it lets people know that, you know what? It wasn't a perfect journey. It wasn't. And, and I made that mistake. Thank God it didn't cost me my life. Um, I, I talk about really how God moved in that. It, it was really unbelievable, um, even in my ignorance, you know. But because my heart was right, you know, like God, God covered and protected and he actually severed that thing once and for all. Um, so, you know, it, I, it's important. It's important. There's a liberty and telling your truth yes and not pretending that you're perfect and when people hear your story they feel less alone it's so good for them to hear your story so they can feel like oh gosh i'm not alone in this you know there's a another component of that that i i found Um, I didn't really recognize until, you know, sometime later, but one of the things too, especially, you know, being a woman of faith and and I've always believed in God. I I did not have a relationship with him at this point in my life, at that point in my life. Um, But I I love that God had me write about the fact that I met him at the club, you know, the fact that we were drinking and smoking weed and living together, not being married because it really takes that, that um, kind of stamp, if you will, of, well, you know, of course God did that for her. She's a good Christian girl, la, la, la. you know, well, no, I, I, I wouldn't live for God in any way, shape, form or fashion at that point when he showed up right in the middle of my situation, simply because he loves me. No other reason. And, and even when I was trying to come up with a title for the book, um, of course, again, you know, all these great titles came to mind. And finally, I said, well, God, you wrote the book. What do you want me to call it? <laughs> you know? And he said, well, what, what did I do? What did I do in the midst of that situation? And I said, you pursued me. He just kept coming after me through things I saw on TV, through this guy who prophesied to me on the bus one time. I mean, he just kept coming after me. He kept coming after me. And, and so he said, yeah, I pursued you. With what? With my love. So at its core, it's really a love story. It's really a love story. You know, it doesn't, doesn't start out like that. It doesn't seem like it, but it, it's, it's truly a love story. You know, okay, that's God. like the second time you made me cry already. Um, I wrote down simply because he loves me. I love that. 
And I really appreciate that you were saying that you were drinking and you were smoking weed and all of the things that maybe you were doing before this time, because there's this misconception. You know, I always grew up in church, but I wasn't always walking with the Lord. And I think people think Christians are perfect or you have to be perfect or you can't talk about the reality of the situation. It's weird. I had coffee with a guy the other day and I was telling him, you know, I have this huge vision um, about uh, being able to to create a, a business and, and, and really be a bridge for uh, those women that are, especially in shelters and things like that, to be a bridge from dependence to independence. And so anyway, I was telling him about the whole story and, and, and why, you know, and survivors of domestic violence and victims of domestic violence. And he said, do you think Chris, that happens in the church? Christians experience- Are you, are you like, kidding me? What? <laughs> it's just, I said, I, I think it's even, it's harder in the church because you know, you're, you're, you're supposed to have this great faith and you're supposed to have this great trust and, and, and I'm just, and God's going to get you out of this and, and yeah, he can get you out of it, but you got to do some stuff too. Like God's not going to do everything. Like you have to do some stuff too. He's, he's a gentleman. We have free will. He's not going to impose that on you. Amen. But you church and and I, I spoke at a church one time and I said, you know, that sister that's sitting over there is kind of by herself and you think she's stuck up. Yeah, she just might be abused because she'd leave right after service. She don't stay and talk to anybody. Maybe it's because she was told if you don't have your tail home in 20 minutes, like it's going to be a problem. Oh, wow. you know, like look for some of these signs. Don't just assume that people are, are stuck up or, or even holier than thou or whatever. You know, know some of the things to look for when you think about the fact that one in three women is abused or has been abused. You can sit in a coffee shop and be like, one, two, bam, there's one, one, two, your job, one, two, there's one, grocery store, one, two, there's one. Wow. Like, it really lets you know how prevalent it is. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think in the church, it can be really dangerous because there can be um, the sort of spiritual gaslighting that goes on. Like, if I just had more faith, if you just had more faith this wouldn't be happening or just pray harder. Just trust more. Just have more faith. I'm just, I'm like, show me where it says in the Bible, you know, and they're like, well, sanctify wife, sanctify her husband. Like, look, <laughs> look, let's look at even, you know, even in the old Testament, like God set up government. He set up um, rules and regulations for us to live by. There's nothing in there that says putting your hands on somebody else is okay. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the, the two scriptures that, you know, a lot of times get thrown at you when you're talking about divorce or separation or something like that. It's a little bit different when it comes to abuse because, you know, church kind of takes a step back on that a lot of times, but there's still that whole component of just believe, just trust. And there's nothing wrong with believing and trusting. You need to, you definitely need to. But God says in all that getting, get understanding and that wisdom is the principal thing. Like, is this a wise decision? Am I, am I making wise decisions? Do I really understand what the dynamics of this relationship are? And hopefully you'll understand them before they get to you know, a physical place because they do start very small, 
control can seem very sweet. I'm going to tell you, I thought my abuser was the sweetest thing on earth. He'd call me at night and, you know, play a song for me and be like, I just want to tuck you in. And, you know, he wanted to spend all this time with me. And if I had plans with my girlfriends, it's like, oh, babe, I thought we could do something today. I thought, and little by little, not even realizing it, totally alienated me from my friends and family. And then he had me right where he wanted me. Yeah. You know, his, his voice was the only one I heard. So it was the only one I believed, you know, in the natural. Um, but like I said, God loves his people. He loves his daughters. And it's not his will for our lives for us to be in those situations. But we have to be open and aware to him moving and him showing things. He was waking me up in the middle of the night at one point. And every time I turned on the TV, it was church TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is weird. You know, and mind you, I had no relationship with God, really no concept of, of his character or anything like that, but I was drawn into it and it started to minister to me and, and some of the shackles started falling off. And, and then I started kind of looking around thinking, mm, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I'm in a good situation here, you know, and I'm feeling like there's some hope that it doesn't have to be this way, you know, but Again, okay. we have our own thought processes and, and, and we kind of box things up and we're like, well, you know, cause things will go really good for a while. And you're like, well, maybe I was just, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they go really bad yeah, yeah. Really quickly. And then the space between that gets shorter and shorter until you don't really see any good anymore. It's just all bad, but you're so entrenched in it. You really don't even know what to do. Right, you don't have that perspective anymore. Right. Totally you know, you know. And I remember he told me I, I, I was in a, a car accident and um, he was he was with me, as was um, my oldest son. He was younger then. And and like all the stuff I had to go through forced me to get clean and sober. And I, I it was like waking up in the middle of a nightmare. I was like, whose whose life is this? When did this become my life? And so I tried to reason with him right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seemed like a good idea to me. I said, you know, like this is really toxic and I, I think we really need to go our separate ways. And he said, Oh, I know you're just, you're feeling guilty about the accident. Oh. Cause I was driving because mm -hmm. your son was hurt and I got hurt. And, and I'm like, am, am I, am I just, I mean, they kind of again, twist what you're thinking and twist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because again, that was the, the closest voice to me. I started thinking, well, am I, it did, did I, I mean, it was in, in hindsight, it was the craziest place to be because I was really questioning my own judgment. You know, I was really questioning my own judgment. And so God <laughs> show up and, and I, in my book, I, I kind of echo the, the, um, you know, are you listening? Are you listening? Cause he had to keep getting louder and louder. <laughs> Yes. But, He's going to hit you over the head with two by four. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. Had to keep getting, he kept getting louder and louder. Yeah. Until it was undeniable. And his final words to me were, get out. Well, I want to encourage the young people, the young women. You know, my daughters are 23 and 21. And just what you said about, you know, wanting to control you, like wanting to get you separate from your friends and be the only voice that you're hearing. And um, just the subtleties of that, right? It's very subtle. 
and making you feel like you're crazy, maybe even telling you you're crazy and you start to wonder, am I crazy, right? And I just, it's important for young women to have that awareness and to really um, be discerning. Because I think, you know, in general, as women, we want to be loved and we want to be taken care of and all of that's okay. But just to keep our eyes wide open and pay attention to the signs. When that thing in there, you know her, you know, yeah. when your knower is like ding, 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 like pay attention uh, because our natural yourself. senses want to override that, our emotions. I kept looking for that great guy to come back that I'd fallen in love with. And, and that's one of the things that kind of, you know, kept that hope alive was that even though I was seeing something very contradictory, I kept looking for the guy who wooed me for over a year, you know, like picked out a star in the sky for me. Like it was, you know, amazing. But at the end of the day, what happened was that that was the facade. And so the abuser was who he really was. Real. Yeah. And he just was able to keep that up for a, a really long period of time. But in looking at even him always wanting to spend time with me. When you can no longer be your own person, have your own thoughts, your own opinions, um, you get berated for that, you get put down for that, you get poo-pooed for that, you get shut down. Like you have to look at that because that person is really stripping away your identity and who you are and really making you more dependent on who they say you are than who you are, who God created you to be, who God says you are. Like it gets so far away from that. And another thing, I, I spoke one time at a, to some um, social workers. Uh, they were they taught um, domestic violence classes, and one of the things that I said, and I think is is, is so simple, but we don't really think about it, is that when you when you think about um, when you think about how even we raise our children, how so many times you've you've heard, oh, little Johnny's just picking on you because he likes you. Mm -hmm. Boys mm -hmm. will be boys. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Look at what we perpetuated. And so our little girls grow up thinking, he punched me in the arm. Oh, I know. He likes me. I don't even like him. He has a crush on me, but I don't even like him. And it gets poo-pooed. You know, it gets, but seeds are planted. Seeds are planted and, and a, an acceptable form of behavior is really established very young. Yeah. Okay. So you have a group, it's called Precious to Him. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So um, some years ago, I love that this is about the big yes, because these are all yeses that I was like, I said, yes. And I'm like, okay, God, like now what, you know? Totally. I love that you <laughs> was, said that. It's true. I was actually unemployed. I was, I was, uh, had been laid off, um, really in a place where, um, I didn't know if the next level of unemployment was going to come through, you know, if I was going to have to sell my house. And, and so there were some really pretty big things weighing on my, on, on my shoulders. And God spoke to me, said, you are so precious to me. Just know and trust and believe how precious you are to me. And I was like, Oh God, you know, and I'm like, I'm precious to him. And he said, I want you to register that with the secretary of state so nobody else can ever take it. I was like, okay, like, register it as what? Like, I don't know. And how do I even get there and online? And, and then I was like, God, this costs money. Like, <laughs> you know, but I was like, okay. And so um, it just has kind of 
been there in the in the background um, for a little while. Um, some of that is just not, you know, I mean, I've always worked full time. I've been a single parent um, all my adult life. And, um, and there just wasn't time to really, really focus on, on what God wanted me to do with it. I'd ask, you know, kind of offhandedly across my mind, like, oh yeah, God, you know, that precious to him thing. Like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. yeah. But when you look at domestic violence, there's so many people, so many, you know, it, it's funny. I actually had gone to this woman's conference and, and there was a, um, the speaker there, she said, well, um, you know, is there something God's called you to do or he's given you that, you know, you, you feel like you really need some more direction on da da da, you know? And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, God gave me precious to him. And so I shared a little bit about it. She said, well, what are you doing with it? And it's like, well, uh, yeah, not much. <laughs> she said, so God gave you a baby and you let it die. I was like, Oh wow. Wow. That put a whole different perspective on it. Like God doesn't give us things just for the sake of doing it. And, and, and he doesn't give us things when he knows that we're not capable of carrying out the mission that he's given us. And so for us to not do it, yeah, it's just letting it die. Oh, that is such a good word for my people. I have a membership of women entrepreneurs and visionaries. It's called Team Yes. It's you know, women who are ready to say yes to taking ownership of their life and doing the thing, right? And he doesn't put a dream in our heart if he doesn't think we can carry it out. Like he is, he is telling us that he, we're fully capable of doing it. And it's an honor. It is an honor. It's, it's an honor to partner with him and what he wants to do. And so I started looking at, it's so funny because domestic violence is huge. I mean, it's all encompassing. It's different ages, races, sexes, all, all that. And so I'm looking at, you know, victims need, you know, they need shelter, they need resources, they need food, they need clothes, they need emergency services, they need medical services, you know, survivors need somewhere to go, they need, you know, job skills, they need training, they need counseling, they need financial management, because a lot of times the abuser held the purse strings, they don't even know how to balance a checkbook, you know, there's all these, and so I'm looking, I had pages upon pages of, of things to encompass with precious to him. God said, Baby girl. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. It's great. That's your heart. You see, you're getting, you know, some, some knowledge, wisdom, and understanding surrounding it. But I, I do have other children that I called to do some of that stuff. Amen. So you don't have to do your everything. Thing. Like you can do your one thing, right? Right. Right. He said, so first of all, he, I was like, okay, God, so then narrow it down. I need you to narrow it down for me. Yeah. And, I, and these are questions that we don't ask because I'm a big thinker. I see everything in its You're totality. Married. Yeah, it's very hard for me to bring things down to, you know. And so finally, it's okay, God. So, okay, who, who, who am I talking to? He said, first of all, because one in three women and one in four men. Really? Big um, number. You know men really ain't talking about it, no. right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, that's horrible. He's first of all, women, <laughs> women. No, I'm like, okay, okay. I got you, Lord. So I can cross all this off my, you know, list. And, and second of all, survivors survive. Okay. Okay. So I can cross all this stuff off. So I just need you to do what I tell you to do, to let them know that I love them and that they're precious to me. 
follow my lead with that. I told you to do two things, daughter. You should be able to do them very well. <laughs> I love it. You know? And so yeah. once, once, once I got that lane, I could get in my lane and really focus on my lane, you know, um, we really can get distracted. You know, it's in scripture, yeah, don't look left and the right. Exactly. Right. And it says run your race. Yes. Yeah. I think as women and definitely, I don't know where you fall on the Enneagram, but I'm a three, which is the achiever. And so I want to do all the things. I want to help everyone. I want to constantly be producing and achieving. And it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we have to stay in our lane and it, it's really in effect ineffective actually like we're all over the map and spread so thin and um we're not focused at all yeah and so that's that was that's been the thing i got to tell you there was one time like my son came home his school was doing this whole thing um over children who were developmentally delayed and so the kids were starting to hear the r word retarded mm. um a lot and so the school which i thought was amazing took it upon themselves to do this kind of drive this um you know you signed a um a pledge essentially like not to use r word you got a t-shirt you got an armband it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, that is awesome. And I'm like, oh, but you're, you know, and I was telling him, my youngest son, my boys are 17 years apart. So two different generations that was not playing. God is so funny. But anyway, <laughs> um, so my youngest uh, was in high school at the time. And I was just like, this generation is, is facing things that we just never, ever had to deal with in our generation and in generations past. And it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I said, you know, I really want to do something to remind your generation that they all matter. Like, like they all matter. Like be kind to one another because everybody's going through something. Like they all matter. And so I came up with this whole thing. Girl, I, I bought the rights <laughs> to a song. I'm on the phone with this record company. Like, because oh I was going to do this video. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally put the cart before the horse. So I'm calling this, this music company. I'm like, so... I don't even know if I have the right place, but this is what I want to do. What do I need to do to do it? And they're like, yeah, you can buy the rights to the song for a year. So, so do you, just, you sing, you would sing it and then make a video? Like you're the singer? No, I wasn't going to sing it, oh. but, I, but I wanted to play it in my video. Gotcha. 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 And, okay. Yeah. And so, um, and it was going to be for teens and, and it was Kirk Franklin's song, Imagine Me Being Free, oh, you know? Yeah. And so, and then God's like, I didn't call you to that. <laughs> We're off here. Good idea, but we're off track. track. Right. He said, but you see that, see that guy over there? Yeah. He's called to the youth ministry. So all those connections and all that stuff you got, you can give it to him. Yeah. That's like, which was fine. I was like, that's great. But it just goes to show. Yeah. I mean, it was lost time for me and yeah. what he called me to do. You right. know what I mean? I mean, it was great. God still works all things together for our good. Right. So for it sure. still was good and it still worked. It just, it, but it took away from my time. So we have to be very cognizant of, of God's leading of what God said, because many times we think that it's, it's small, you know, for us big thinkers, we're like, that's a small thing, God, like, I, like yeah. you know, but it's the little things that really those seeds that are planted, some plant, some water, only God gives the increase. So we just plant and water and that takes the load off of us too, right? Like, you, you know. Really plant water, like I can do that all day, you know. Whether yeah, you receive yeah. it, how you receive it, what you do with it, that's not up to me, that's up to God. My responsibility is just do what He said, 
Oh, I love it. You are preaching. Awesome. So that's what happened with the t-shirt. So kind of segueing into that. Yeah. So getting all this clarity, I'm precious to him, you know, empowering women, you know, to, to get a renewed sense of their identity in Christ so that they can reimagine, you know, this great life that God has for them. And so in the midst of that, I, I made t-shirts, they're precious to him. I got the design. That was a whole nother story. God connected me with some people. When you, when you start stepping into purpose, like doors just start falling open. Just, yes. I, I'm like, I don't even know how I found this person, you know? And so, <laughs> and then not only that, but this person was able to get out of my head onto a graphic, like what I wanted. Like, I need to look like this. I want that to do this. I need this here, that there, da, da, da. Perfect. Had the precious to him t-shirts, the, the graphic done. So excited. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Was talking to a friend about it. She said, yeah, you know, cause I was kind of explaining precious to him, you know, our, our vision. And she said, it's just, you know, really reminding them if they're enough. And it was just like, bam. And so I was like, yeah, exactly. Cause we have everybody telling us what we are and what we aren't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we listen to everybody except for what God said. That's and right. so the, the very next morning I woke up, he said, I want you to do a series of t-shirts. I am enough. And these are the scriptures. This is what I want you to remind my daughters of. I want you to remind them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're blessed and highly favored, that they're chosen, that they're a masterpiece, that they're redeemed. I want you to remind them of that. And so I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, so then that was born. And, and then I had a friend who, and then I, was, I went to a t-shirt place. I thought I could get some made up. Yeah, it's a whole... If God gave us the whole, the whole role, right. yeah, we choke on it. Oh, for sure. And that's why I'm so glad God reveals one thing at a time, right? We can't see the whole stairway, but we can see that first step. So just go ahead and take that first step and just trust him that the next step will appear. Trust him. And, and then even looking at like, you know, I'm, I'm around, you know, I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs. And so yeah. I'm like, I, I feel left out because I'm not, you know, and I'm like, God, I don't. I don't know how to start a business. What kind of business? What would I sell, offer, do? Like, I don't have enough money to do that. Like, da, 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 da. And once I started, once I just did what he said, and like you said, just one step at a time, um, in its totality, it, it would have been very overwhelming. And I'm sure that I probably would not have done it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, one step at a time. And when I realized, when I actually counted up the cost, I got to tell you, it, it wound up being just a little over $500. Yeah. I got 11 shirts printed. They're sparkly. Like the one I have on now is black is written in black vinyl, but many of them are sparkle. They're glitter. Cause yeah. I really wanted them. I want my sister Queens, my survivor Queens to shine and to know you know, to wear something that's beautiful. God said this about me yep, and yep. it's beautiful, you know, yep. it looks good. And so it was very important to me that it was very high quality and very high standard because it's really representing what God says about you. And, and you know, certainly not to take anything away from, you know, any of the other faith-based t-shirts or anything like that, but for what, you know, God has put on my heart for his daughters, I wanted them to have something that was just beautiful, Yeah, you know? 
Okay, I feel like you and I could talk all day, but we are going to have to bring this to a close. If people want to learn more about you and what you do and your book and your t-shirts, where can they find you? Um, my, I have um, a Facebook page with Precious to Him, so facebook.com slash P-R-E-C-S, um, two, the number two, and then H-M, and then, and then my website, which oh, is- Oh, and the website. So, which is precious to precious to him. So again, P R E C S two H I M dot com is my website. If you want a t-shirt, just put a forward slash and type in shop. It will take you right to the page. It shows all of the shirts. And then my email address is um, again P R E C S two H M at gmail.com. Great. And can they order the book? How do they do that? They can order the book on Amazon. It's available in paperback and ebook for all my people who like to read on their tablets. I can't do it, but no, I like that. I like the do. book. Yeah, me too. I like to highlight and underline and yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I am honored that you would spend this time with me and you have really touched my heart. It's been a blessing meeting you and chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sue. God bless you and your continued work. Thank you again.